That's supernatural. I'm telling you, you get loose, you get lost. If you're not careful, you won't get found. And I'm telling you, the Lord is throwing something your way this morning. He's throwing something in your vicinity, in your weakness, in your place that you may be misplaced. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that that ax head swam. Supernatural. <laughs> that ax head was hungry for the branch. That ax head was hungry for the handle. Come on, somebody. God has his hand on your life. God has a handle on your life. Come back to him. Come to him. You don't have to be in the miry clay and the muck and on the lowest place on the bottom of uh, the waters. Time to get hot again. And you can't do this yourself. It's all about finding him. And we're going to talk about that this morning. And so this morning, I want you, did we give yet? This morning, I want you to be hot in your giving. Come on, you axe head. Come on, I'm throwing a branch to you. I got that. I want to eat. I want to pass What? She soto. You know what I was thinking? All of my Christian life, I've worked hard so we could tithe. I've really worked hard that we could make money, have a, a good income and revenues coming in. And matter of fact, over the years, Susan and I, we have decided to have more than one stream of income. The more streams of income that you have, the more diversified you are when the economy gets a little crazy. And so we've always had two or three, four streams of income because the more income we have, the more we can tithe. And so who wants to know what an overcomer is? This is an overcomer. You've never heard me say this before, so just listen up. I, I feel like, I felt like I worked real hard to tithe. So I've always been the workhorse in our family to bring the bacon in so we can tithe on it. So I've always took credit for the tithe. <laughs> but Susan's more than a overcomer. See, I'm overcoming everything to make this money to tithe, but Susan's more than an overcomer because she gives above my tithe, our tithe. She's always been, your wife's like that? She's always been the one to just say like, let's give this above our tithe. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I'm working hard to do the tithe, but she's more than an overcomer. So she gives the offering, which is above and beyond what is even required. It's, it's we decide to do that. And so if you haven't, if you've been tithing, man, thank God for you. It takes care of everything in this church. But man, if you want to be more than an overcomer, if you want to go beyond the tithe, just bring your offering. Come on, somebody. I, I mean, you don't know how many times my wife told me what she gave above our tithes. And I said, you did what? 
<laughs> you did what? <laughs> Thank God for it. That we are givers. And this church, everybody in this church, you're, tell you, David, you're a big giver. You're just a big giver. You're a big thing. You want to live up, give up. Come on, if you really want to live up, give up. If you want things to expand, you need to expand. If you want things to increase, you need to increase in your mindsets, in your perspective about the kingdom of God. You know, Michael Cosentino called me this morning. He said, Pastor, I just want to give you a report. I said, come on with it, Mike. And he was telling me children are coming to the Lord in Panama. Little bitty kids five, four and five and six years old. He says they come up to the altar and they're like little baby dolls in these cute little dresses and they just want the Lord. And he says when they pray for them and they receive the Lord, they fall out on the floor and they go into this like a travail. And, a, and the love for Jesus just comes out of these little kids. Isn't that powerful? And he says this is the way they make their altar calls. They said, and, and I, I've been thinking about this. Matter of fact, it's in my message that, you know, we need to go beyond Jesus being Savior. He's Lord. Yes. And when we serve Jesus, we serve the gospel. Well, I serve Jesus. No, you serve the gospel. You serve the whole word. You eat at the whole table of the Lord. You, you obey him in everything that he's called you to do. Come on, somebody. And so we become servants of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I met a lady on the outreach, and I said, ma'am, I'm going to tell you what this is all about. She's eating her gumbo. And I said, you know, we serve people gumbo, and then we tell them about Jesus. And she'd say, ah, I know about Jesus. I said, he's your Savior. Yeah. I said, is he your Lord? She could talk all day about Jesus being her Savior. But I said, is he Lord of your life? Is he first and foremost? Are you serving the word? Are you, do you have the whole word on the table of your life? And are you eating of that table? Everything. Obedience. Even in trials and tribulations, you're obedient to the Lord. Even when people forsake you, you're being obedient to the Lord. Whatever the Lord tells you to do, you do it. You know, she couldn't talk much on those lines. And I, I didn't beat her up. I had mercy. I said, man, we just need to take it to another level. You know, she was a good churchgoer. <laughs> and she saved and she's going to heaven. But she realized there were areas that she was falling in and weak in not pointing at fingers at anybody, but we can't stay a week in the same area for the next 10 years. It's time that the things that we're fumbling in or weak in, that we allow the grace of God to come help us. Amen? God is good. Well, that was just a little preface of what the Lord wants to do this morning. I'm honored to be your pastor. I mean that with all of my heart. It's, it's uh, give honor where honors do, so I honor you. And you know, I found out that the word honor and love, they're very close. You really, you can't love somebody and not honor them. You understand, you really can't love someone 
and not honor them and hold them up in a high place. So I hold you up in a high place. I honor you. I honor you for your giving. I honor you for your submission. I honor you for your uh, using your talents and your giftings in this church. Uh, I honor you for having these generous impulses in God. Aren't those fun? You ever just feel like going somewhere and doing something? Like Disney World? <laughs> that's an impulse. But that's kind of a fleshly thing. You know what I mean? That's good for me. Might not be good for anybody else. But when these generous impulses hit us, it's the Spirit of God. And He can do a change in our heart at that moment that we will say something we never said, said before. I remember when the Lord touched my life. He was, the Lord had a generous impulse. And he said something to me and he shared his love and I saw the cross. And it was this generous thing that heaven did for me. And it was, had such an effect on me that I gave my life to Jesus. And I've never been the same because of his generous impulse at that time for me in my life. When I was in a deep, dark despair, the axe head had hit bottom. The axe head wasn't floating. And the Lord had a generous impulse for me. And I saw it and I heard it and I felt it and I received and it changed my life forever. If you're not careful, you can live in the kingdom and just get kind of hard-hearted. Everything and everybody can become common. You can begin to take things for granted, even in the kingdom of God. Going to heaven saved, quoting scripture. It's almost like something waxes over you in your heart and the fire goes out. And the love just begins to just, it doesn't compel you any longer. You get dull in your hearing. You get dull in seeing the way the Lord sees. Come on, somebody. I'm encouraging you this morning. Don't lose heart. I'm encouraging you this morning. We all need more Jesus. We need more Jesus. Need more Jesus. Tell your neighbor, I need more Jesus. <laughs> I need more Jesus and less of the world. You know, we're constantly bombarded with uh, people speaking things for us to compromise. You know, Jerry, Jeremy in uh, Cambodia, there was this guy in ministry there, and he would always come up to Jerry. He's in ministry. He's a missionary. And he said, what is it going to take for you to drink a beer with me? Come on, man. What is it going to take? And this is constant. This happens. Christians are just bombarded with, with elements of compromise. And he said, dude, I don't do it. I just don't need it. He said, I'm trying to help people with drinking problems. You all know what I mean? That, that'll never go away. And so we have to make courageous choices, courageous decisions. I'm not going there. You know, when I first got saved, you know, it was there's the ballroom. But I decided, I'm not going there. <laughs> and then, you know, there was a crowd of people in my life that I really thought I loved. 
and I thought we had some kind of relationship, but God is calling me away from people, places, positions, and possessions. I'm just walking away from a lot of things, but those things try to call you back. And I, I just had to make these statements. I'm not going there. You know, even in ministry, you know, you can, you can get offended. And I just decided, I'm not going there. <laughs> you know, it, people come around and everybody's complaining. So, you know, it's easy to complain. But you know what I say? I'm not going there. Tell your neighbor, I'm not going there. And that's just, you know, some people talk about sickness so long, it's like you almost feel like you're getting sick. And I don't mind a few details, but my God, after an hour, I don't need to know any more about your diagnosis. Let's pray. And so it's like, I'm not going there. And you know, when somebody does something wrong to somebody, then they want everybody on board with them that that person's not right. I'm like, I'm not going there. And so you just got to decide in your life, if you're going to serve the Lord, it's just some places you're not going. You know, somebody tears into you, that don't mean you tear into them. Somebody Tell your neighbor again, I'm not going there. They slap you on one side of your head, you just turn your cheek because you're not going there. The Bible says hate your enemies. No, the Bible says love your enemies. And so when somebody attacks you, you don't attack them. You're not going there. You got to make up your mind. I'm not going there. And so you'll get home today and somebody says something and they, you know, people get crazy. Even when they just left church, you might have to just tell them, I'm not going there. I'm just not going there. Why you go to that church? What they do at that high? Why you trying to hire on? Just tell them I'm not going there. <laughs> Mama, you don't love us. Don't slap your kids. Don't go there. Just love up on them a little bit. How y'all doing? Good to see y'all all the way from Texas. How y'all are? <laughs> we got married. How long ago was that? July. And so this is a success story. Here we are in church. <laughs> I, I, but I'm going to tell you this. I'm tired of it. I'm just tired of it. These good-looking guys come in. They take our, they take our girls. You're blessed. <laughs> Gave one away last Sunday to a pastor. I mean, what's up with that? Why I have to give up all of our beauties? to end up going to another church in another state or another country somewhere. I don't like that. I told Becky, I ain't giving you away. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just not. Who else I'm not giving away? And listen, how many of y'all know it's good to marry the right one? It, that's a, you married the right one? And you know what? If you got married and you don't think they're the right one, if you're in Christ, they're the right one now. But it's good to marry the right one. And if you're not married yet, you ain't married the wrong one. So that, that's a little cheering, that's a little shouting place right there. You might as well get happy. You ain't married the wrong one. So you're not married, but you hadn't married the wrong one. Better get on with this message. 
I'm going to stick close to my notes because it's a teaching this morning. We're talking about discipleship. Uh, you know, it comes a point in life we need to grow. That's right. We need to increase. We need to, be, we need to mature. We, we need to be fruitful. Maybe in areas that we haven't been fruitful in. You understand, we, we start running in Christ, and I know we're lagging in some areas. That, that are not quite right yet, and that's just the way it is. It's a process, and we in a pace, and we get in a rhythm. But over time, those areas that we just have been falling in or <clears throat> not doing well in and waiting for the other person to change so we can get our part right, no, 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 no. We need to become complete in those areas. We need to become more fruitful in those areas. In those areas, we need to mature. Y'all ready for this? So I'm talking about discipleship. Now, discipleship begins when you're in the kingdom of God and now it's about Jesus. What can we do for you? You know, all of the, the followers of Christ were following him because of the free food. I mean, come on. You, when we come to Christ like that, Jesus, well, can, you, can you fix me? Well, yes, he wants to fix you. Can you mend me? Can you help my family? Can you help me off this addiction? Can you help me in my marriage? Can you help me with our crazy kids? That's how we come to Christ. And that's, that's, that's where we start. And that's, he begins to help us who's been helped by the Lord. But it comes a time in your Christian walk that you can look back and see how much the Lord has done for you that we get to the point, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? And it may be as simple as something like, be nice. <laughs> but we have excuses. It comes to the place that it's, Lord, it's not my will, but your will. And you know, in, Mer in America, we are promised a lot. But you understand that the joy of the Lord is our strength, not the happiness from things. I mean, we, have a, we are blessed in America. We have, we have more Christian rights. We have more stuff. We have more tapes and teachings and television programs and, and preachers and ministers than anybody else on the whole planet. But our joy comes from the Lord. But with all of that, we're still fragmented as Americans, as American Christians. We're still fragmented. And it's going to take a desperation in our heart. It's going to take, take asking and seeking and knocking and hearing from the Lord. So let's start off like this. This is about discipleship. Matthew 7, verse 7. We're going to read through verse 14. If you read Matthew 7, it's some, it's some, mm, some challenges here. Judge not. I mean, all kinds of things in Matthew. Forgive. Uh, we, we, you know, we, we read about the Beatitudes and blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God and the humble will inherit and all of these good things. But in Matthew 7, there's three things that I saw and it really pertains to discipleship. And you need to be being discipled 
and you need to be discipling somebody. That's working in the kingdom of God. And if you're being discipled, that's a good place to be. But some people in the kingdom of God in churches are not even being discipled. They're just members. They just come. You know, statistics show that most Christians that, that the world considers good, they come to church maybe once a month. And so the disciplines and the hunger for the word of God is really not in these people. And so we need to be under the disciplines of the Lord. And to be under that, you need to be under the teachings of the Lord. And if y'all know, I've said this before, I'm not a boat pastor. I'm a water walking pastor. And so if we're going to get together, you're going to have to come out the boat. But if you're in the boat, that's a good place. Jesus put people in the boat, but then he called them out the boat. And so you can't live in the boat all the comfortable places where, you know, my belly's full, I'm comfortable here, the crowd's here, everything's kind of like about the boat. And if you go to this next step of getting out the boat, of course the waves and the wind and, and Jesus is over there somewhere and you can't really figure him out and he's calling you and you could sink and you could go under and you could swallow some crabs and some shrimp and you know what I mean and you, you don't know how to function going under or taking a risk and so being a disciple is really taking a risk I've learned I like to take risks you know when we go anywhere in the world I want to get off the, the beaten path. <laughs> I just want to get off the beaten path. I, I mean, we traveled all over America when I was young, and uh, we never stayed in the campgrounds. We parked somewhere, probably where you were not supposed to park because there were no people, the wildlife were there, the beauty was there, and you didn't have to do this recreation thing with the rest of the planet and so I was always one that just kind of go off the path even in the world I went off the path but now the law you know there's going to be many wise in your mind and on the paths of life just a why in the road you know this way or that way and the Lord really showed me the only way to stay on the right path is you can't follow the flesh. You gotta follow the spirit. And I'm gonna talk about the narrow path and the broad path. And the broad path is the path of the flesh. <laughs> it's just the flesh wants it all, when it wants it, how it wants it. But the spirit, the Holy Spirit will be the one that keeps us on the right path. Let's read Matthew 7. Ask. This is important. This is powerful. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. I don't know if you ever saw that, but ask, seek, and knock. A, S, K. Anyway. Nobody ever saw that. I saw that when I first got saved. For everyone who asks, receives. Now this is the people of God. These are those that are attended to the voice of the Lord. These are those that delight in the law of the Lord. So God gives them the desires of their heart. The Bible says who, 
whosoever asks, whosoever or pray, when they ask and when they pray, they shall get the desires of their hearts because they're asking for the will and the way of the Lord. And if they believe, they'll receive. If they receive, they will have what they believe for. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. That's pretty good results there. So if we're asking right, seeking right, and knocking right, we get God's results. Now listen to this, the way the father is explained right here as a good, good father. Or what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. Now listen, us compared to Father God, in our activity and walk on the planet. We are the righteousness of God. But in our activity, in our abilities to miss it, compared to God, we're really evil. But he's saying, if he asked for a fist, would you give him a serpent? Even in our places of weakness and faults and maybe missing it, we would, in Christ, man, when I came in Christ, all of a sudden, my children were very valuable and if they asked me for something and it was in line with the household and God I was going to do all I knew to do to give it to them if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more the Lord's trying to get this across how good of a father we have how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him therefore Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. What we're wanting, what we're asking for has something to do with the way we treat people. Maybe we're not getting what we need from the Father or what we think we should get from the Father because we're not doing some things right here on earth with other people. <clears throat> How many of y'all know that can hinder our relationship and the flow of the glory gifts from heaven if we're not treating our brothers and sisters correctly. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult, hard, very hard is the way that leads to life and there are few who find it. So this whole saying in the church that bigger is better, follow the trend, follow the crowd, according to this scripture, it's not how it goes. It's a narrow gate. I mean, I, I know, and man, the grace of God. And listen, this adventure in Christ is extraordinary. I wouldn't want it any other way, but it's not difficult. It's like walking a tightrope. You know, when I mention the word suicide, doesn't that kind of, it's kind of an extreme, it's like, you know, you connect death with that. 
But I've watched many Christians commit suicide because they got off the narrow path. Don't think it can't happen. Don't think you can't be deterred or brought outside of being on the inside and walking that narrow path. It can happen. I've watched it happen. And so don't, don't fool with these suicide tendencies of compromise. A little bit won't hurt. I'm talking about hanging with those you shouldn't hang with. Letting go of things God said let go of. Don't touch, it's unclean. Come out from amongst them. It's a, it's a tight path. Not everybody that says they're going to heaven and knows Jesus, knows Jesus, all going to heaven. I mean, I'd like to think it's true, but I don't know people's hearts. But the Bible talks about it. If you go on into this chapter, it talks about false prophets. It talks about fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. And so just, just because it looks good doesn't mean it's God. And just because there's money in it doesn't mean it's God. And just because it's glamorous looking doesn't mean it's God. It's a narrow path. What is the narrow path? It's following the Spirit. And I'm going to say a few things about the Spirit this morning. You're going to get it. And I'm telling you, the Lord will tighten us up when he speaks to us. He's like a firm daddy or a firm mama. They said, no, you can't do this. It's going to hurt you. You won't do this in this house because it's not the right thing to do. You know, a real firm mama or daddy, Holy Spirit is the same way. He speaks to us if we're open. Let's read on. So my introduction, this is what I saw when I read those scriptures, just seven scriptures. You know the Olympic rings, how they overlap? Well, I saw three rings when I read this, and they all kind of overlap, overlap, and it's kind of the circles of discipleship. Three circles of discipleship are three fruits or three aspects of discipleship, and there's many other, but this is the three I'm going to talk about because I, I feel like we need to mature and grow and increase in some areas, and these are the three main areas I think if we get, then things will come out of that. We'll begin to grow in an accelerated way. And these are my three areas. The first one is prayer. And we've been talking about prayer, but I thought I need to hit prayer again because I think, you know, we started off big in prayer. We're fired up about prayer. And I just feel like some people are getting a little, you know, they're losing their fire in prayer. You might not be getting up. You might not be praying like we prayed three months ago. So I, I'm just wanting to encourage you, get back before that altar of God. Get back with that prayer pardon and begin to pray again. Prayer works. And I really believe because we've been praying, we've seen some awesome results. So we need you on board with us. If you're on my prayer schedule, I'd like to hear from you sometimes. You, you don't have to chat with everybody, but I'd like to just hear from you. Some, are you still with us? And if you're not, you've been backed off a little bit or stepped back, just be encouraged. Get back in the faith of God, face of God. We need you praying with us. So it's prayer. That's our relationship with God. Number two is people. Our relationships with people. I'm telling you, this country is a mess. People don't know how to do people. I mean, everything is a mess. People are lying. 
People will do anything. People will talk down on anybody. It's just crazy the way relationships in our government, how they've gotten. Nobody works together. Everybody's against each other, even in marriages and, and things in the church. We need to get along. I gave everybody homework in this church about a month ago. Mend your relationship with Jesus personally. Then mend your relationship with your spouse and your family and people in church. And then begin to help people that don't know Jesus how to mend their relationship with Jesus. We're in the mending relationship because a lot of things are loose that need to be tied up, right? And the last one is, is three P's. Prayer, people, our relationship with others, and the path, our relationship with the world. What's your relationship with the world? And so first of all, ask. This is about prayer. You know, when I first got saved, it seems like whatever I asked of the Lord, he gave it to me. I mean, Lord, my bill I don't have the money for is $49.88. And all of a sudden, $49.88 comes in. Anybody ever experienced that? I remember I was appraising timber, and I was buying timber. And I would always leave a lot of money on the table. In other words, the lowest bid was like 50000 and I bid seventy-five, so I spent seventy-five too much. So what you want to do is narrow that margin. You want high bid, but you don't want to leave a whole lot of money on the table. I remember I got saved, and then I went, I went and I bid on this track of timber. And I was $2 over. I was high bidder but I was $2 over the other bid, so I got it. So I left $2 on the table, and I'm talking about thousands of dollars. And it's like, man, whatever I was asked for when I first got saved, it was just happened. Lord, open this door. I said, Lord, I want to witness to my boss. So he gave me that opportunity. My boss stopped because a funeral was coming. He took off his hat. He bowed his head. And I just asked the Lord, just give me a, just give me, give me a shot to witness to my boss. And, and all of a sudden, my boss looked at me and said, I wish I had somebody that could die for me. I mean, gee, I mean, come on. I mean, it's, that's how it was when I first got saved. Whatever I asked for. You know, when my kids were little bitty kids, whatever they asked for, we gave it to them. It was cute. They couldn't hurt anything. They were innocent. Can I have a Tootsie Roll? Take 10. Take 5. Take 8. Can I have some more? Yeah. Can I have a toy? Yeah. And so I think the Lord is trying to teach us in this scripture, it's powerful to ask, but we got to grow up. There's people still 40 years in the Lord, still asking God for things. But the next step in prayer is seeking him. And I found, I think the Lord was teaching me how to trust him. I could ask him for something and he'd give it to me. He was teaching me how to trust him. But I found out sooner or later, or they came a little later, that I had to find scriptures for my needs. Oh, Jesus, I got to read the Bible, go to church, submit to our church. Oh, Jesus. I just want to ask, get what I want. Well, that's what kids do. That's baby prayer. It comes to a point that you need to seek the Lord. You got to search the scriptures. You got to study to show yourself approved. You got to ask questions. You got to fast 
You got to pray. You got to cry out to the Lord. Sound like work. <laughs> Seeking. You're looking for something because you don't have it. And listen, when I got in that stage of seeking the Lord, I was looking for something, but I didn't know what I was looking for. I remember I was in ministry, kind of an associate pastor, and man, you know, up to this point, whatever I asked, ministry, open doors, God would give it to me. And now I'm in a place in my life that I'm kind of, something ain't right. There got to be more. Anybody ever feeling like there gotta be more? And so I was looking for more, but I didn't know what more was. <laughs> I was hungry. I was desperate. I loved Jesus. Everything was going good. My marriage was getting fixed. But, and I was seeking the Lord because I knew there was more, but I didn't know what more was. And then I ran into Rodney Howard Brown, and I found the fire of God. And I realized the fire was the more. Jesus said, John the Baptist said, there's one coming after me. I'm going to baptize you in water, but there's one coming after me that will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and something more. And the more was fire. Desperate. Seeking something that you can't find. There's something about that, the Lord seeking the Lord. There's something about not having what you want to have need something but you don't know what it is and only God has it and you start digging and you start seeking and you start praying and you start <laughs> and then the Lord you bam he shows up come on somebody who's seeking the Lord so wisdom will begin to search the scriptures you know Abraham God said I'm gonna give you a child but it was 25 years later Hosea 10, 12 says, Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up the fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Y'all ever see those people that want more and you're like, <laughs> like you don't know what to do with them. I want more. I want more. I want to see the presence of God. I want to see an angel. I want, to be in, I want to encounter Jesus. I want a, I want a visitation. I want a shield. And you don't know what to do with those people. But they're desperate. We got any desperate people in here today? Commit your ways to the Lord. The Bible says, commit your ways to the Lord. Trust him and it'll come to pass. You'll see him pass. You'll see him in your life. You know, when you're asking and getting, it's almost like you become entitled. And I think I've made some mistakes in this church. People asked me for things and I gave it to them. And all of a sudden you give people over and over just what they want. They're not even ready for it. You want to make friends with them. You want them to like you. That's where I was at one time. And you give them things and it's too fast. And all of a sudden they become entitled. And once you gave them what they always wanted, now it's become common. And, and they're just like, you know, it's not even interested in it anymore because they're still a little kid and you gave them something too soon. They didn't work hard enough for it to put a value on it. And so now they're just kind of lost in life. And so I've learned, just don't open too many doors for people. Let them press in them. 
Let them seek the Lord. Let them, let them, let them find out. Let them earn things. Let them press. Let them travail. Let them, let them be a little desperate. Let them get out on the, 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 the ledge. Let them get at the end of the limb on the tallest part of the tree and let God just saw the branch off. I've learned just let people experience some things in life. Don't, don't help them in every area. You understand? They become entitled. You're a pocket pastor. You pray for them. You lay hands on them. You do everything. You counsel them. You correct their kids. You talk to their wife on behalf of the husband. And all of a sudden, they never learn anything. All they get in their place is entitlement. It's time we grow up. Tell your neighbor, grow up. And so we go through these stages. But listen to this. Knocking. Knocking. We ask, there's power in that. We seek, there's power in that. But this is another level of prayer, knocking. It has to do with waiting. Oh. <laughs> it has to do with something closed and won't open. It has to do with a barrier. It has to do with somewhat of spiritual warfare. It's going to take something out of us to get that door open. It's going to take walking by faith and not by sight. It's going to keep you, it's going to have you have to keep your heart pure that you won't be denied the promises that God spoke to you. So you keep knocking. This is another level of desperation. You know, I had a lady in my apartment years ago and, she, you know, she just, I kept telling her, I said, you can't live here doing that. She wasn't paying her rent. She wasn't taking care of the apartment. And finally I went, and she was homeless before she came there. And I gave her so much, she felt entitled. She even felt like I couldn't evict her. I, I came to the door one day. I knocked on the door. She came, and she opened the door, and she shut the door on me. My flesh got stirred. <laughs> so I knocked on the door again, and her little girl came to the door. I said, where's your mom? She'd taken a shower. I said, go tell your mama. I'm at the door, and I need to talk to her. So she shut the door on me, too. And I decided, I'm going to knock. Somebody told me this. You knock on somebody's door, and you know they're there, eventually they're going to answer the door. I'll run out the back. I'm serious. I knocked for over 15 minutes. I was patient. She finally came to the door crying, and I said, you know what? You know I've treated you right. She said, yes, sir. You know I've done all I know to help you, and you have not done your part. She said, yes, sir. I said, it's time to move out. She said, I have nowhere to go. I said, trust the Lord. She got in a car. We shook hands. We were good. I kept knocking. I went in Walmart sat, uh, Saturday because we need another place. Walmart is kind of, I, I don't know what's going on, but I got to talk to 1-800-WALMART now. I can't go to my local Walmart and say, hey, can we come serve the community? And so the lady, I said, can I speak to your manager? She said, yes, wait right here. So I'm there to speak to the manager. 
And so I waited 15 minutes. The little lady that called the manager, she said, sir, I'm sorry, I'm off shift. I said, it's okay, I'm gonna be here. I waited another 15 minutes. Another lady came in, can I help you? I said, I'm waiting on the manager. She said, well, I'm gonna go call. I said, well, you can go call. I said, I'm gonna be here whenever she gets here. So I waited again, 15 more minutes. And no manager ever came. And everybody, I'm not leaving. I'm just sitting there by the counter and there's three or four people working. I'm just there for the duration. Every now and then, one of the employees would come and they'd say, I don't know what's wrong. We, we keep calling. I said, it's okay. Y'all didn't do anything. I'm okay. Whenever she gets here, I'll be here. I waited. They all knew I was serious about something because I'm, I'm in peace. I'm not mad. I'm waiting on the manager. And finally, she walks up, beautiful lady. I said, you must be a, a busy lady. She said, I am. I said, I understand. And so I just talked to her. If you can't wait, you're going to miss so much of God. And sometimes you got, you know, I feel like I've been waiting on my wife my whole life. What you doing? I'm waiting on my wife. <laughs> Where you going? I'm going to church. Where's your wife? I'm waiting on my wife. Anybody ever wait on their wife? I'm telling you, God's trying to teach you something. If you can't wait on your wife, you ain't going to wait on your Lord, on the Lord. And if you can wait on your life, man, you got some duration in you, you'll be able to wait on the Lord. <laughs> There's a story in the Bible. Come up here, Robert. Come up here, Jay. Look, there's a story in the Bible and there was a friend of a friend of a friend. And this friend came to this friend and said, listen, I need three slices of bread. And he said, I really need it. And so this friend said, I don't have it. Let me go to this friend. So he went to this friend at midnight <laughs> and said, listen, I got this friend that came to my house and he wants to stay at my house and I have nothing to set before him and I feel like I need to do something for him. Can you help me? I need three slices of bread. And this guy says, it's midnight. Why are you troubling me? I just put my kids to bed. Now you understand back then it was one room, all the kids. So it's not a good thing right now. And so he kept telling his friend that his friend needed something. And he said, man, you gotta give it to me. And the guy said, dude, go away. Way. Why are you troubling me? And he wouldn't go away. And he kept saying, I have to have something for my friend. He said, I'm going to give it to you, but it's not because we're friends. It's because you're persistent and pressing. And I guess the guy probably said, look, I own the bakery. Take the Thank whole you. thing. <laughs> Y'all may be seated. So you have to learn how to persevere in the things of the Lord. You can't give up. If you a give up easy person, you're not going to make it in this race. You're going to quit. You're going to get disappointed. You're going to get offended. You cannot give up. Listen, the pain of waiting is nothing compared to the pain of quitting. I told somebody the other day, you better fight for your marriage. I'm telling you, I, I get tired of fighting for people's marriage more than they fight. I said, you better fight for your marriage. 
because to get unmarried, it's going to be more money, more time, more tears, more effort. You, you just put all that time and energy and get you a couple of lawyers that are godly and help you with your marriage. Then pay some ungodly thing to talk you out of what the Lord put you in. And so I'm telling you, what's right will cost you. To do it right, it would always cost you. And that's the game that the disciple pays. They've already decided to pay the cost. When you go into the Marines, they take your civil rights away. You are now, you're not entitled to the things of this life, but now you're stepping in another phase of life. It's called the military. They cut all your hair off and don't ask your mama. Then they make you sign a contract and you pledge to defend that flag no matter what. You give your life to that flag and to that country that you're representing. How much more should we be as Christians when we enlist and he calls us in the kingdom of Almighty God? How much more should we stand strong how much more should we get what we need to be whole and complete? Come on, somebody. Praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance. I think about Jericho. They marched seven days. I think about the Canaanite woman. She came to the table. All the big shots were sitting at the table with Jesus. She was a little shot. All the experts were sitting at the table. She was a little spurt. And she wanted some bread. And she said, the bread is for the children. You are a dog. And she pressed in. And basically she, she said, roof, roof. <laughs> I mean, I'll be whatever I got to be, but I want a piece of the loaf. I want a part of what's on the table. Matter of fact, I like everything on the table, but I'll take a crumb for the moment because I know what's in the crumb is in the loaf. And if I can get a little bit, a little bit will do me good. Come on. How about Jacob wrestling with the angel? The Bible said he wrestled with the angel all night. And the angel said, let me go. And he said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Man, I like that. Not the type of believers we need in the church. How about Elijah? Go check the sky. Six times nothing is nothing. <laughs> Matter of fact, one time nothing is nothing. Two times nothing is nothing. Three times, I know, I knew arithmetic. But the last time, because he heard something. He didn't see it, he heard it in his spirit. Next time he went up, get ready. It's about to fall. And the Bible says that Elijah prayed the effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man. And he failed much because he persevered. He pressed in. How about the lady with the issue of blood? She didn't care who she was. She didn't care who was around. She knew what she needed, and she knew who had it. And she made a press through the crowd, and she touched the hem of the garment, and all of a sudden she was healed. Don't you give up. 
Your new promotion, your new job is coming. Your crazy kids are going to get saved. What you've been praying for to go out of your body, it's going to go out of your body. What you're not feeling, you'll begin to feel it. You feel ostracized. God will put you back in the fold. I'm telling you, keep pressing it. Don't give up on the promises that God has put in your heart. Thank you, Lord. That was number one. Oh, God. I think we could almost stop right there. Number two is relationships, people. You know what we do with people? We tolerate them. That's not love. And I know, I mean, we've all failed in this part. I don't tolerate Susan. I trust Susan. See the difference in the relationship? And believe me, there's times we have to tolerate people. But if they're in your church for 20 years, you know, you should get past the toleration thing. <laughs> One of you should leave. <laughs> if it's in a marriage, you shouldn't tolerate your spouse. If you can't be sensitive in your own household, how are you going to work in the kingdom of God? I will never tell a spouse to leave another spouse. I will never. And I'm telling you, we've seen the most hideous, adultery, crazy things that give you every legal right to leave. And if it's not outright abuse and I beat and batter it, I will not say anything. Because I've watched women that's been through hell and back. And I would separate them. I tell the man, go in the other room. Me and my wife need to talk to your wife. Something just went down, hideous, wrong, wrong. And I look at that woman, I said, do you love it? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, we're going to fight for your marriage. That's, right. That's what we're going to do. We call him back in. She says she loves you. She forgives you. Let's go on. That's what we did. We fight for what's right. But listen, you gotta, we got to do our part. I mean, just like Susan was saying, she appreciated the prayers of everybody in this church. But Susan, at the same time, is, is she's not sinking. She's pressing. You, you understand? We do this together. It, it's, it's, we work a lot better. We pray a lot better together. Come on, somebody. This, this relationship is the golden rule. Who knows what the golden rule is? Well, that's whoever has the most gold rules. That's not the way the world looks at it. I'm going to say this to you. The golden rule. This is, this is my definition. It's God's witness in our heart. It's an inward witness from the Lord of how we treat people. You can't deny this. You, you have got to have a hard, hard heart to deny the witness of the Lord the way you treat somebody. And I don't believe anybody here has that heart of heart. You'll lay on your pillow at night and cry because you treated somebody wrong. You said something wrong. You belabored the point too far. You beat somebody up with your words. That God will witness in your heart how you treat people. Am I telling the truth? I mean, there's nothing like the Spirit arresting you because of the way you treated people. And I'm going to tell you, if we could all get this, the community would change. If the world would get it, there'd be no prisons. There'd be no murder. There'd be no lying. There'd be no deception. There'd be no stealing. There'd be no adultery. There wouldn't be anything 
of course, the catalyst is Jesus first. But then you have to grow in him. The inward witness of how you treat people. It's, it's happened to me so many times when I go preach in another church. It's just what happens to me. I always see the least. Wherever, if I do a funeral, I see the least. I'm at a funeral. I can find the person or the people that the rest of the family ostracized and not talking to, and I go straight to those people. Everywhere I go, I mean, y'all know it. LSU was winning. I'm pulling for the underdog. I'm pulling for Alabama. Hate me if you want, but I'm just an underdog person. I'm just always pulling for the one that's not scoring. I'm always pulling for the one that everybody else is against in the house. Come on, somebody. It's the golden rule. It's the royal rule. You treat people like royalty. I've fallen short of that. But we need to treat people like royalty. Jesus said what you do to the least, you do to me. Is Jesus royal? I mean, is he a king of kings? And we treat him right, but then we treat somebody else less. And he says if you treat the least, then what you do to the least, you do to me. So you got to treat the least like royalty. You come in church, you don't take the stinky and the sour and the, the not smart, sit them on the front row. No, that's what you, everybody's equal. You don't, you don't pick and choose. You don't rate people. Love, honor, respect. Respect. That word is not even used in our culture anymore. I heard a story about when President Trump walked in a room of that shooting in Las Vegas. One of the guys was shot. He walked in the hospital. The guy couldn't hardly walk. And when President Trump walked in, he did everything he could to get out of bed to stand up, to salute the president. What happened to that? What happened to that? What happened to honoring teachers? counselors, pastors, mamas and daddies, your wife, your husband. What happened to respect? Well, we have reasons and justifications. You'll talk to Jesus about that one day. Let's get it right. We're so fragmented in so many places. Let's get it right. True north. It's true north if you listen to that witness. In every situation, the witness is speaking. If I would start talking to you and you start remembering back on the way you were before you are the way you are now, me too, I cry because I hurt so many people. But yet I knew I was hurting them. I knew what I was doing. I didn't know the extent of the damage, but I knew. My heart was hard, but I knew. I was trying to get my way. I was trying to justify. I was trying to make excuses, but I knew. I wasn't even saved yet, but I knew. I had a conscience. There's an inward voice that speaks to us the way we treat people. And sometimes we treat people with some tough love, but you can't treat everybody all the time with tough love. Come on. I mean, <laughs> tough love. I mean, you punched them. Come on. <laughs> I'm getting where I need to go. Listen, we got different people, different race, color. I mean, everything is so different, and different shouldn't be difficult, but we need to respect people. 
Bible says you know the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, kindness, self-control. And the Bible says of these there's no law against them. So guess what? The golden rule, nobody can tell you, you can't do the golden rule. <laughs> not here. You're not doing the golden rule here. No. You can't love everybody here. You got to hate some people here. Nobody can stop you from the golden rule. And matter of fact, you know, you love the Lord with all of your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. That fulfills the whole New Old Testament. You want to know, who wants to know the Old Testament? This is it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? Well, in the Good Samaritan thing, it was the man in the ditch. In your family, it's your wife. It's your children. In your church, it's the members. You love the one you're with. Love the one you're with. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Last part. The path. The narrow gate. The broad gate. I looked up the word narrow just doing a little study. You know what it basically means? You know what a turnstile is? Well, if you go to Singapore, you got to walk through these little gates. I got to tell you all this joke. It give me a few more minutes. This country group went to big city, okay? I mean, they're wearing straw hat, got straw in their teeth. Their country is all get out. And so they walk up to this elevator, but they don't know it's an elevator. All they see is an up sign. It lights up. And this old lady, she gets in the elevator, the elevator doors close. And then after a few minutes, the doors open up and this gorgeous, gorgeous lady walks out of the elevator. And the daddy tells his son, go get your mama and run her through that thing a couple of times. <laughs> Some of y'all wish there was a machine like that. Please go in there for like an hour. Get your attitude right, your looks right. Lest the house is built on the rock, it will not stand. You know, a good doctor will keep you out of the hospital. A good attorney will keep you out of jail. And a good church will keep you out of hell. It'll keep you out of hell. Because we need each other. Because left alone, we'll go astray. The one. Why does everybody, why does the 99 have to suffer for the one? <laughs> because the Lord knows it's going to take 99 praying and in agreement for the one. Because you get by yourself, it's self-destruction. I'm going to say it again. A good church will save your back. A good church will help your marriage. A good church will keep you from going bankrupt. A good church will keep you in a good witness in Christ. A good church will have 
help you have your children honor and praise you down the road. A good church will help you, build you, train you for the call on your life that you can fulfill the ministry that the Lord has on your life. Come on, somebody. A turnstile. That turnstile, one at a time. And you know, in, in some of these countries, this anarchy is going on. People are just jumping the, the turnstiles. Thousands of people just decide we're not paying the fare. So they just jump it. How, what do you do with that? How do you stop that when one person decides to do something wrong and starts speaking it out their mouth and cause this havoc to begin to happen? How do you stop that? It takes the Lord. It takes us to decide, I'm going to serve Jesus. And it's a narrow path. It takes a ticket. It's going to cost you. It cost him everything to save you. Now it's going to cost you a lot to keep him Lord in your life that you will not compromise. So you're going to have to put your ticket in. It's going to cost you a wage. And you're going to have to go. You can't bring nothing with you. You ain't can't bring the dead old man with you. You can't bring nothing with you. You can't bring your mama. You can't bring your cheerleaders and supporters for the things you're doing wrong. You got to go through by yourself. It's a narrow gate. And that's the narrow path we need to take. So I'm going to ask you this. What stage are you in in prayer? Are you in the baby stage asking? We'll grow up. Just go to the next, take the next step. Be responsible. Are you seeking, which is a good place to be? You've had some growth. Or you like knocking. Come on, knock on something. Come on, you, you, are going to, you are going to uphold the things of God. You're going to keep pressing in for the promises of God. So this is the way we'll answer things for now. How you doing? <laughs> how you doing? Fine. No, how you doing? And don't go knock on wood, please. That shows your stupidity right there. I'm knocking. That means something's locked. That means something's not coming to pass. That means something's not right right now. But I got the eyes of the Lord, and I know what the outcome is, and I'm standing. I'm not giving up. My knuckles are red. But I'm not quitting. I'm not backing up. I'm not following the trends. I'm not following the crowd. I'm going to stay holy. I'm going to stay with the things of God. Who are you not loving? What you do to the least. You know the one you hate the most is the least? And the way you treat that least is the way you're treating Jesus. Who are you not loving? My God, how many names could come up here? Could be the one sitting closest to you. Could be someone that died that you just need to let go of. Are you serving Jesus or are you compromising with things in the world? This is the turnstile. You got to come to the Lord all by yourself and you got to leave everything behind. People, places, possessions, positions. You got to walk away from it all. 
you got to lay it all at the feet of Jesus. And what he wants you to have as you begin to serve him, he may give some of this back to you. He may not ever give it back to you. I had to lay down my music. I had to lay down my pride. I had to lay down who I knew, what I knew. I had to lay down who I thought I was. <laughs> that was the biggest person in, in my life, who I thought I was. So there's no play or you stay. And you know a gate? See, in walking this tight rope, walking this narrow path, we come to gates, we come to wise in the road constantly. And people are doing good, okay? They're walking that path. They come to a Y in the road and they complain. You ain't getting in. You can't take the right road if, if you tried. God's not going to open the door. So what you do, default, you take the wrong road of the flesh. So we're constantly going through gates. We're constantly waiting for the Lord to open doors. We're waiting patiently. But it has a lot to do with our own attitude and our outlook and our, the way we see people. Come on, somebody. Was that a yawn? Jesus. I don't know how you can be yawning right now. Jesus Christ. I pray for him. <laughs> I'm shaking on the inside. Man, if you're here and you, God spoke to you, just stand up. I'm going to pray for you right where you are. Come on, God spoke to you in any, some little area. And if you got it all right, just sit in your chair. You know what Pastor Nick told me? He said, that man can get people to the altar. He said, I don't know how he does it, but he'll get somebody to stand up that don't want to stand up. He'll get somebody to come forward that fights it, mad, gritting their teeth to come up here. So we all have areas that we're dealing with. Distractions. Shikaramanasoto. Praise you, Lord. We're all dealing with stuff. But we got to go through that turnstile. It's narrow. What are you trying to bring with you? What are you trying to force or bring in the kingdom of God that you know, you know the witness in your heart? God's saying, leave the thing alone. Let that person go. I believe the Lord's throwing a branch from the tree of Calvary today to reach you where you are, to really engage in your life again, connect with you in your life to defeat that problem or that insecurity or that love-hate relationship you may have with someone. You know you got to love them, but on the inside it's just hard. I'm telling you, the Lord can make it all right. So everybody pretty much stood, I know, and so that's a no-brainer. We all struggle with I feel like there's an anointing up here that'll break the yoke off of us and then God will just open that door that you can take the next step. 
And so if that's you, God's speaking to you. You know the end would witness. Don't be thinking it's the person next to you that should do this. No, it's for you. You, you know the end would witness. You know specifically in detail what the Lord is talking about. So just come up here right now. I'm going to ask Kevin, Ray, and John to come up. Uh, I'm going to ask Candy and Jay to come up. They're going to pray for you. I'm believing just simple prayer, mostly laying on of hands that's going to break that yoke. So just come. Just come, 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 come. Go with your first instinct. Go with your first inclination. Just come up. 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 Mickey, why don't you come up, please? Mickey and Steph, come up, please. Come up, please, please. Let us pray for you. Come on, you don't have to continue in this. You don't have to continue in this alone. There is help at this altar today. Come, 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 come. It won't take much. You don't have to pray long. Just come, just come, just come, 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 just come, just come. Come, 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 come. Come up, come up, come up, come up, come up. You come up here, the Lord's going to bring you up. Come up. I'm believing for a breakthrough. I'm believing. You are Whatever's been fractured, whatever's lame, God will strengthen it. Just come up. Come, 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 come. A new day. It's not someday. It's today. Today is the day of salvation. It's not one day. It's today. Today the Lord wants to do what he wants to do in your life to help you. Come up, come up, come up, come up, come up, come up. Come up and just wait patiently. Just come up and wait patiently until the minister comes and prays with you and lays hands on you. Just come up, come up, come up right here, man. Come up, just get up close, get up close. Y'all take about two steps. Get them all close to the altar.
Sweet sound, you're so good to us all. 